All right, we're going to start our lesson today. We're in Lesson 29, the final lesson for the study in Revelation. We're going to look at John's final word concerning this prophecy. We're looking, we're looking at verses 6 through 21. We're going to start, first of all, with the certainty of the return of Christ. Verse 6 and 7 is going to tell us about that we can be sure about this, that we can be sure about this. So look with me. Verse 6 and 7, and notice what John records. Then he said to me, These words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Okay, so let's take a look here. First of all, the surety of it. The angel proclaims that all that John has seen is true. So let's stop for a moment. Everything that he's seen, which we've recorded up to this point, the angel is saying to him, what you've seen, what you've recorded, is true. So he's, he's making a statement to help us to understand that you don't need to question the validity of this prophecy, of this book. Because the angel is saying, everything that you've seen is true. Now, the prophecy was given to show that which will take place shortly. The prophecy was given to show that which will take place shortly. So, he's saying, you're, he's showing them things that are going to take place shortly. Now, let me just stop for a moment, because the skeptic in us... And we can be skeptical would say, okay, George, that book was written in A.D. 90, somewhere around A.D. 90. Hmm. This is 2011. Wow, George, that's, that's 1900 and some years. 1921 years since that prophecy was given. Given. You know, okay, I understand what you're saying is true, but, you know, that, that last part of verse 6 says it'll take place shortly. Boy, it's... How, how long is shortly? Well, first of all, a lot of you are, you know, we are parents, so you have kids who say, you say, hey, Jimmy, take off the trash. Just a minute. How long's a minute there, folks? All right. No, here's the thing. In the scripture, the word shortly can also be translated suddenly. These things will take place suddenly. So don't look in terms of it's coming soon, but I want you to look in terms of it's going to come suddenly. And here's the other thing. When you go over to 2 Peter, in 2 Peter, Peter deals with this issue of people who are scoffing at the return of Jesus Chapter 3 of 1 2 Peter. Listen to this. Verse 1, he says, I, I now write you this second epistle in which, in both of which I stir up pure minds by a reminder that you may be mindful of the words which I have spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of our Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lusts and saying... Where is the promise of his coming? So Peter's dealing with this. Now, the reality is, Peter's dealing with this probably 30 or 40 years before the 
book of Revelation was written. So he's saying, so there's going to be scoffers who are going to say, so where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and, and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with waters. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Beloved, do not forget this one thing. If you need to, look at verse 8. This will help you to understand the suddenly and the shortly thing. So here's Peter. He's addressing people who are saying, well, hey, where's this promise? And here's what he says in verse 8. Do not forget this one thing. That with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years. And a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So here's the issue. He's saying, all right, first of all, we're talking about a God who has communicated that he's going to come suddenly, but help us to understand something. God exists outside of time, and one day to him is as a thousand years, a thousand years is as a day to him. So he's not slack concerning his promises. But what you're seeing is his long-suffering, which another word for that is patience. Because he's not willing that what? And he should perish. Do you understand? He's wanting others to what? Come to Christ. Because here's the thing. How many of you want Jesus to come back? Now, how many of you want your loved ones to get saved who don't know Jesus? There's a tension there, isn't it? You know what I'm saying? There's a tension where, okay, I want you to come back, Jesus. But, man, when Jesus comes back, that's it. Ah, don't come back too soon. Do you know what I'm saying? So this is what he's saying here. So I wanted to just help you to understand that part. The purpose of the prophecy uh, is to show that which will take place. Now, here's the promise. You can take this one to the bank. Even though it seems like it's taken forever, Christ promises to return quickly. Christ promises to return quickly. Verse 7 also gives us a blessing there. Not just a promise, but a blessing. And the blessing is for you and I. Notice what it says. A blessing is bestowed on those who hold to the prophecy. So listen to what I want you to understand. Listen to me. Yeah, somebody may mock it and say, well, yeah, sure, Jesus is coming back. It's been 2,000 years. Come on. Listen to me. Here's the reality. The blessing is for you to hold by faith what he said. you understand what I'm saying? Even though circumstances and situations make it seem otherwise, you're going to hold to what he said. I'm going to trust you, Jesus, to what you said. I'm going to trust you, God, to what you said. You said you're coming back. You said you're coming soon. You said this is sure. I'm going to believe it. I'm trusting in you. And here's what the Bible says. You will be blessed because you hold to that. Do you understand? You will hold to that. See, blessing, 
The blessing of faith in our life comes because we hold to it, even though circumstances seem otherwise all around us. Do you understand? Everybody comprehend. Okay, so now notice now the worship by John, verse 8 and 9 of Revelation 22. I, John, saw and heard these things, and when I heard and saw, I fell down and worshipped before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Then he said to me, See that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant, of your brethren the prophets, of those who keep the word of this book. Worship God. Now, here's what I want you to see. First of all, John responds to the words by worshiping the angel. He's actually not an angel. Now, I have to understand something to you. Angel, in its Greek meaning, means messenger. Okay, so your English translation doesn't translate it messenger. Angelos is the Greek word. They, they transliterated the word to say angel. So this gentleman is a, quote, a messenger, an angelos, okay? But he's not an angel as you think of it, as you see in the potpourri section of your Christian bookstore, okay? This is, this is not that kind of angel, because John wants to worship this guy, and this guy rebukes him. This guy tells him, notice what the next point is, the angel rebukes John and tells him to worship God only. But I want you to notice what he says. He identifies himself. He identifies himself. What does he say about himself? He says, number one, I am not a what? Not enough coffee this morning. I'm not from Kerbinsville. Is that what he said? What did he say? Look at, look at verse 9. See that you do not do that, for I am your what? So is he an angel? He's not an angel. So he says, I am your fellow servant. So what does that mean? Anybody have a clue what that means? Okay, he's just like us, but there's something. Let's go a little bit further with that line of thinking. What is he? Well, he's a servant of God, but he's not an angel. So who in heaven besides God and angels? Yeah, he's a saint. Because notice what he says there. He says, look at what he says, verse 9. Of your brethren, the prophets. What brethren? Do you see what I'm saying? The prophets. So this is some saint of old who's telling it. It doesn't identify who it is. It really doesn't matter. But this is some saint of old. And that, that's what I want you to see here. And he tells John to worship God only. Now, look at verses 10 through 11. There's a command here. And he said to me, Do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous. Still he who is holy, let him be holy still. So here's what's going on. First of all, this prophecy is not to be hidden. When it talks about sealed, that means closed up. It is wrong for you, the messenger is saying here, it is wrong for you to close up this prophecy. Just you know, Some people have the attitude, well, you know, I don't understand it, so I'm not going to talk about it, I'm not going to, talk, I'm not going to show it to anybody. All right? 
You're not to, John's not to seal up this prophecy. It's, it is not to be hidden from others. It is to be out in the open. It is to be out in the open for others. The prophecy is. Now, here's what, here's what he wants to see. Here's the response to the prophecy, because you're looking at verse 11 and you're going, what in the world? If you're filthy, stay filthy. How many of you tell that to your kids? What? I mean, what's he talking about here? Here's what he's saying. Here. The resp- he's really addressing the issue of the prophecy. And here's what he's saying. Those who do not heed the prophecy will continue in their wickedness. You're not going to listen to it. If you're going to be filthy, go ahead and stay filthy. If you're going to be unholy, go ahead and be unholy. Because you've been warned. Do you understand? This is what he's... This is what he's saying here. You have been warned by the prophecy. And which, here's what he's saying. Those who heed the prophecy will continue to do right. And so for the rest of us, if you're doing right, if you're living holy, then you continue to live holy because you know what's coming. And so that's your hope. That's your, that's what you're, you're persevering for. You just continue on. The issue is how you're going to respond to it. So let me just stop for a moment. Don't be shy about sharing about the second coming of Jesus with others. First of all, let me just help you to remind, remind you of something. Do you realize that 70% of Americans believe Jesus is coming back? Do you realize that? Statistics year after year show the same statistics. 70% of Americans believe in the second coming. We say, well, they sure aren't living like it. I understand that. But here's the point. So you can talk to them about it. Now, if they reject you, don't worry about it, because the prophecy said the response will be, they're just going to continue on in their stuff. So here's the thing. Can I, let me just stop for a moment. I'm going to, this brings up a greater point. When you share the gospel with others, do you realize it is not your responsibility to save them? Everybody understand that? Now, some of you, maybe that's a shock to you because you've been taught otherwise. It's not my responsibility to save people. Whose responsibility is it? God. I am simply just a voice box. I'm just a messenger. Do you know what I mean? It, so it's really up to... I, all I do is bring the message. So if, you know, if we have a dinner here, and you're up here kibitzing for the longest time, and I walk upstairs and I say, Hey, the burgers are on downstairs. Come on down. Is it my responsibility whether or not you walk downstairs and get a burger? Whose responsibility is it? The guy who I just told the message to. I'm just the messenger. Now, some of you really beat yourselves up. Well, I didn't present that right. and I wish I knew as much as George. Or I wish I didn't know as half as much as George. Or, you know, I mean, whatever, you know. And the reality is, is no, you, you proclaim it, the response is their responsibility. And here's what he's saying with reference to this prophecy. You want to stay filthy? Just go ahead and stay unfilthy. Those who are holy, continue in your holiness. That's the reality. That's what he's talking about here. Now, look at verse 12. He's going to talk about the coming judgment and, and reward. Here's the words. This is Jesus himself. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Here's what he said. 
Christ is returning to give everyone their just reward. Folks, you're going to get your just reward. Well, some of you are already scared of, well, man, I deserve hell. Yeah, if you're saved, you're not going to hell. But reality is, is how you live your life here determines what your reward is later on. How you live your life here determines your reward later on. So then look at verse 13. He makes a proclamation about his, his, his being eternal. He says, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Jesus is talking here. Christ proclaims himself as eternal God. And then verse 14 and 15, he talks about the coming blessing and judgment. Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves to practice, who loves and practices a lie. Here's what I want you to see. First of all, the blessing. Those who persevere will inherit eternal life. The issue is perseverance. Those of you who, who have trusted Christ, the issue is, is, are you persevering in that? Does your life reflect that? You'll have eternal life. And the other thing is, is that the wicked will have no part in eternal life. The wicked will have no part in eternal life. Then notice verse 16 and 17. We see an invitation here. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And the spirit of the bride say, Come. Let him who hears say, Come. Let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take, of the, take the water of life freely. So here's what I want you to see. First of all, Jesus identifies himself as one who has sent his angels to proclaim the prophecy. So right off the bat, Jesus is saying, guys, this prophecy that you have about the things that are going to happen in this book of Revelation, I'm the one who sent the angels to tell you. I'm the one who's given it to you. This is from Jesus. This is not from John after he had a bad Italian sausage the night before. This is from Jesus to us. All right? Now, let's go on then. And he gives a call. So the call is, and this is the purpose of the book, the call is given to those who are searching to come. If you're wanting something more, Jesus is saying, come. 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 You know, here's the thing. You may be wanting something more, and you've been at church all your life. There's something more. And he's extending that call to us to come. Come to him. And we'll have life and we'll have it more abundantly. Now, think about that. Jesus said, I, I've come to give you life and that you may have it more abundantly. Now, here's the problem. How many, if you think about your Christian life, how many of you could say, yeah, that's what describes my Christian life. Life and an abundant life. Probably most of us would say, holy, no, that's not my, my life. And you've given up even wondering what that is. Well, you know, the reality is is that a lot of times what we're taught in church is more traditions than it is life. 
And Jesus offers us something far more, something far greater in a relationship with Him. And if you're thirsty, He's saying, come. If you're hungry, come. That's what He's saying here. Come. Come to Him. So then notice now verse 18 and 19, the final warning. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecies of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. Here's what's going on. The one who rejects the book by altering it will be judged severely. The one who rejects this book. See, if you alter what he's saying here in this prophecy, in this book, if you alter it, that is, you add to it, well, you know, he didn't explain that, that rapture thing good enough, so we need to put that in there. Or you take something out because you don't like it and you want to make it more palatable so that everybody, everybody makes it to heaven or whatever. And people are doing that kind of thing. Do you understand? He's saying you're going to be judged severely because it speaks for itself. You understand? The prophecy speaks for itself. So then here's the prayer and promise. Look with me, verse 20 and 21. This is where we're going to end. And he who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Here's what we're going to see. The final point. Jesus promises to come quickly. That's what you can take down. He's going to come quickly. He's going to come quickly. Now, let me just stop for a moment, because, again, you might be that scoffer, and you say, well, hey, it's been 1,921 years, George. Come on. You know what? He's never late. He's always on time. Do you understand? God's never late. He's not early either. We'd like for him to be early sometimes, wouldn't we? But he's always on time. Always on time. I have seen that so many times over the last few years. Always on time. Always on time. So take this to the bank. Take this book to the bank. This should be your hope for the future. Don't let this book freak you out. Some people get freaked out by this book. Oh, what's going what's to happen? Don't get freaked out by this book. Just rest in the reality that Jesus is coming back. And what has to take place has to take place. All right. Let's close our time in prayer.